Welcome to the UX Podcast, where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine. UX introduces a simple formula for personal and business growth based around one principle. We can't solve big, valuable problems alone. Starting with this principle, UX equips and empowers us to pour ourselves into people and systems, scale authentically, and create a life of exponential freedom and impact. And now, let's get started with the latest episode of the UX Podcast. Hey, what's up, Rockstars? It's Matt Johnson. We are back with another episode. I've got a phenomenal guest for you today, and we are continuing to talk about how to really win the content marketing game. And for our guest today, we have a really awesome, phenomenal person. Carolyn Barth is here. She's the CEO of Digital Content Strategy. And if you don't know the name, you absolutely will know her work. Uh, She is one of the people behind the PR campaign that brought the NFL concussion issue uh, to the forefront of the news a few years back. And we actually dive into that a little bit in this interview. We also talk about how to essentially approach PR, almost like a prosecutor building a case, right? So why we should start at the end uh, with the message that we want people to receive. In other words, we're starting a, you know, a content marketing campaign or PR campaign, whatever the case is, it's really the same thing. We want to get our message across. We want people to believe and agree with our message, hopefully. And so we start at the end and then we work backwards to the messages they need in stages to arrive at the end message we want them to get. So we also talk about the communications cascade, the power of constraints and creativity when it comes to getting our message out there. Uh, Carolyn shares some stories uh, of her experience and background getting uh, messages out there, especially in the, in the medical field. And uh, she's done a lot of work with various types of physicians and dentists. And uh, we're talking about material that isn't automatically and intuitively easy for the public to understand and trying to get that message in front of a general audience. So a very, very difficult challenge, probably less challenging than it is for us business coaches or consultants to get our message into the hands of the right people because they understand the jargon. There's some, there's some inside uh, you know, baseball that we can all talk. There's some common ground we have in terms of terminology and jargon. Uh, Carolyn has a unique challenge in trying to take very, what could be very niche uh, stories out into a general kind of mass audience. And so this is a super interesting episode. I call it reverse engineering PR because that's really what we're talking about. So it's all about the big idea and how to say something and find the message that's really emotionally compelling arresting, surprising, startling, and figuring out how to get that message in front of more people. So let's jump right into the conversation with Carolyn Barth. Well, officially, Carolyn, welcome to the UX podcast. I'm excited to have you here. Hey, thanks so much, Matt. So we've got a bunch of stuff to uh, to get into, fun stuff, because we're going to talk about reverse engineering PR, which is super, super interesting. Uh, we're going to talk about how you know constraints help us be more creative, uh, how to find the right big idea that will drive an entire kind of content or PR campaign, however you want to call that. It's really all kind of, uh, at some point, it all kind of blends into one thing, Uh, you know, communicating with the public and communicating a very big idea and then figuring out with the audience what they consider the big idea, because that's not always what we think is the big idea. So we've got a bunch of stuff. Um, I'm curious though, just because I I was given your your credentials and stuff like that in the official introduction, as we call it, um, what do you tell people that you do? PR. (laughs) PR for scientists, dentists, doctors, people at the top of their game, um, up and coming startups, but with some growth, third, um, probably mature startups where they've got maybe 6,000 clients and they want to grow. Yeah. Um, People that really want to have 
they have something to say and they need a better way of saying it. And they're, they're not gonna, it's something important. So it's not usually typically a pat mm -hmm. answer, like I can't do PR for bubblegum, mm -hmm. but I can help scientists and um, experts in their field cross that bridge to digital. And then also know how to, uh, for a lot of them, it's a new mindset and kind of, they trust me to kind of yeah. shape their brand, position them to the world, and then we end up selling more, winning awards, telling their story, but in more of an authentic way mm -hmm. so that it doesn't feel funny. Yeah, and I love that. Yeah, something you said there, you said they have something to say, and that's that. That's kind of a phrase that I stumbled across here a couple of years ago that I, that I kind of realized and it dawned on me that my my ideal clients were somebody that has something to say, not just something to sell. Because, uh, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, I would, I would rather help people that are actually making a difference in the world, uh, which is always fun for me. So just out of That's curiosity. That's a good tagline. It's something not to say, I, not something to sell. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's something I say behind the scenes a lot. I haven't put it on my website because it's not quite razor Why not? sharp. We should talk. Uh -huh. yeah, we should talk. Um, but let's, let's uh, just before we get into like reverse engineering PR, what was it about that kind of, you know, dental medical doctor or scientist? Like what was it about that field that caused you to really narrow and dial in on that? Well, um, my mom was director of community affairs for a large hospital in Cleveland for mm. when I was a kid. Yeah. And my dad is kind of a color theory genius painter who guy and management consultant oh. who has a million ideas and I had to listen to them um, <laughs> for three hours and then yeah. distill them down into something that my mom would actually use. Not that she would promote him, but you know, that part of your personality where she was That's a matter of fact, a good storyteller, you know. Really so you basically grew up like bridging the gap between your super, super sharp, like way up, like head in the clouds, super right. theoretical dad and your very practical mom and like, and bridging, like putting the concepts together to between the two of them. Um, I didn't know they, they were married a long time, like 60 yeah. years. I didn't have to communicate between them, but they would want to talk to me in the yeah. I was I was the blessing child, so <laughs> I had a lot of alone time with them. So, um, so yeah, my mom would just take me to work, and she'd be more of an executive. So I was around the hospital and doctors, and you know, not so much dentists, but I I always had nice teeth, so I like going to the dentist. <laughs> so, um, but I I think in general, um, my mom would have me volunteer at events, helping mm -hmm. at the you know just stuff and I, I just found that you know I grew up really with this dad who is my dad's 93 now wow. so it's amazing right yeah. and so they have me a lot later in life um but he is so sharp you know yeah. he has brain cells to burn and he studied <laughs> with Roy Lichtenstein and he just was like <laughs> and um so I, it's always I feel very comfortable in that realm where people are kind of really super smart about their topic or really a genius um, about a subject matter and yet it's it's hard for them to get out of their head and yeah. out into the world in a practical digestible format yeah that um that people can kind of connect with and it doesn't your eyes don't glaze over you feel smart you feel like you've learned something because i think it's a connection between humans you know as much as anything you know it's not um hmm. You know, and there's something important that you want to get out with your when you're a doctor about how do you prevent a disease, how do you take care of yourself, how do you um, treat a disease, you know, or, or just 
lifestyle things, you know, there's so many aspects about healthcare. And, um, and then with Dennis too, it's just kind of taking a story typically that several people, a lot of us find very interesting, mm-hmm. but not everybody finds really interesting about teeth and making okay. them super interesting so that, you know, you just think, wow, I, I want to go that, you know, I want to go to a prosthodontist. I want to, mm-hmm. people might even know, not know the word, but, um, I don't even know that I am, I'm in that camp. Yeah. I don't do really? not. Even, yeah, yeah. 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 It's uh they're specialists in digital dentistry and replacing mm-hmm. missing teeth. And, but, that was one of my clients. So about six years ago, I started with them right after working on the concussion story. And we kind of helped them move from complete obscurity where the members weren't even identifying themselves as a prosthodontist to Mm -hmm. owning the term. I I took the term and I added it to YouTube. I mean, I added it to, um, Spell check. <laughs> so oh, really? it didn't look like, yeah, so it didn't look like a spelled word when we yeah. looked at media. I got people media trained, and then now they have a spokesperson's network of 90. And then we helped, ident- yeah. I actually helped them find, um, they had the goods. We just had to kind of package the message. So we kind of positioned yeah. as a digital dentist trailblazers and hmm. what the heck's a prosthodontist was one yeah. of the campaigns. And- yeah. And that's what I want to, we'll talk about reverse engineering PR. Cause I want to get into the kind of the, the, how you razor sharpen the message. Um, but one of the things I love about like the, the specialty that you've developed is, I mean, it's very like authentic to you. You, you run very naturally in those circles, you know, just because of your upbringing and your background and stuff like that. And you're, you're used to dealing with someone that's uh, that's on, on a genius level. So it's not like you're going to run into some ra- random dentist or scientist or something who's going to, uh, you know, out, outclass you intellectually and you're not, not going to be able to follow. <laughs> Um, no, I think you know. <laughs> they're experts in their field, but they yeah. actually appreciate some expertise in, you know, the marketing PR digital field, you know, just cause well, let's, let's hope so. Yeah. Yeah. That, well, they do. I mean, yeah. and it's fun, you know, entrepreneurs, yeah. innovators, they're so, you know, they, they don't mind a challenge and they don't mind kind of somebody actually asking questions and kind of giving them a path forward of how to yeah. communicate it better. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the, uh, the, the messaging and, and how you arrive at the right message. Cause the, there's, you've done some really big, you know, big successful campaigns and things like that. And, and the one for the prosthodontist was definitely one of them. Um, but you, there's, there's kind of a process that you go through and, and you're always working under constraints. You never, you know, you're never going to have unlimited budget. You're never going to have unlimited freedom. Like there's all these, all these constraints that you're working under. Um, so let's talk about scientifically accurate. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, you know, yeah, exactly. Well, actually let's talk about that for a second. I'm curious. Do you, when, when we talk about reverse engineering PR, where do you start? Do you start with what the public would find compelling and then work your way back to what's factual or do you start with what's factual and find a spin for it? Does that make sense? Oh, you ha- yeah, yeah. That's a good question. No, you definitely, um, you have to start with facts. I mean, okay. I study journalism too. Yeah. So <laughs> you just don't make it up. Um, <laughs> but I think that, you know, I, you know, the nice thing about it is, um, I mean, I can tell you how I reverse engineer PR and how I got started in this was basically I, one of the other things that I really love doing is for whatever reason, I notice patterns in words or in, in society. And so I'll see, you know, when I'm following just social media doing social listening, um, living my life, basically, you know, being a 
active participant in the world, you kind of hear, at least I hear things perhaps right before they peak or a little, like six months, nine months before they peak because I'm always asking questions, right? So, mm. so you know, I worked, I was able to work on the concussion story, the brain damage from playing football mm. out of a problem and how that helped. And then I'll get to the reverse engineer PR, but how that helped was, um, a neuropathologist that I worked for these large nonprofit membership associations. And, mm-hmm. um, so it's, I did, a, I did spokespersons network. So one of my spokespersons, I was looking through my media monitoring, um, is a neuropathologist. He wrote a tiny article, Brian, Dr. Brian Moore, um, in Springfield, Illinois. And this is in 2011 after the Dave Brerson suicide, um, who was a football player um, mm-hmm. and dedicated his brain to, to uh, the Sports Legacy Institute to do research, um, but it kind of that was kind of a tipping point where it seemed like wow, it, there is something going on here, and you can't mm-hmm. sweep it under the rug anymore, you know, with the NFL. And mm-hmm. there's a public health crisis, but everybody keeps saying that it's equipment. You know, mm. equipment's going to take care of it. The football helmets, the shoulder pads, the you know, the stuff. And so when a neuropathologist takes time to write an article, it puts it in the Springfield paper and then it goes viral and he's getting death threats because they didn't, you know, they were upset about the science, you know, I mean, it was, I basically called me to help him get out of these death threats and the PR crisis and um, navigate that. And then it just kind of, I invited him up because I needed a lab week speaker on a Friday and I needed a good topic. So I invited him up. And when he talked about the science of the brain and why it's like being in three car accidents a day, if you're tackled three times a day Mm. as a young kid and that guys are 300 pounds now in high school and your skull isn't, you know, thicker (laughs) to do that (laughs) and your brain floats and it's slamming against the top of your head, you know, when you get tackled like that. Yeah. And when you're younger, under 15, there's a real risk there about doing early damage that, um, you know, there is some, there's some real science behind this that actually I had, um, I tend to be also around really great workers. So the people in the room stayed, it was going a little long, people were dialing in and I thought, wow, this is April, 2011 we have to do something about this because pathologist, the guy in the movie, um, he was a member and he's the one that made that Will Smith played him in the concussion movie. Um, but Dr. Bennett Amalu had found this and then Dr. Anne McKee, she was also involved. Um, and one of her residents, Dr. Thorstein, um, helped get us in touch with Chris Nowinski of the Sports Legacy Institute. And we just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, did strategic alignments and we had a constraint. None of us had budgets. None of us have the media on our side. Okay. <laughs> Everybody was terrified of the topic, you know. Okay. And yet it was people were still leaving these, um, you know, Rick Talender is a, used to be a Sports Illustrated writer. They were leaving his column on my desk every week to kind of, and so I would work on it all my free time, and we ended up doing a media blitz that um, we kind of just lucked out because when we did the spokesperson's training by the end of the year, mm-hmm. we had – you know, the story down, we had podcasts, we had the science, we had mm-hmm. talking points, we had articles, newsletters, and we had this momentum of when the New York Times broke a story and did a three-part series, the tide started turning, and then 
when we did our release around the Super Bowl, it just coincided really beautifully. And then Chris Nowinski's taken it mm. <laughs> incredibly far from there. But yeah. those were constraints. You know, you don't have, nobody was interested. Mm-hmm. My boss didn't want me to do the story. <laughs> yeah. um, and yet I kind of had people just continuing to say, we have to do something because if people don't know this and everybody's just talking about, oh, it's going to be, um, the equipment's not going to work. It's not going to be a mouth card. It's not going to be your helmet. It's not going to be your pads. So, um, you know, yeah, how so you, you had to get, essentially convince the public that their, their existing point of view is wrong slash outdated or just, you know, I don't in, do it that way at inconsistent all. with the science. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm sorry to tell you. That's yeah. not how I do it. <laughs> what you do is you build the evidence yeah. and we make it, we do it. This is the communications cascade. You do a slow, maybe a press release rollout. You get all your facts together. It's scientific. scientific. You make it into a compelling story that you should drive awareness. That as a parent, this is your choice. You need to, um, you can, you you should proceed with caution. We're not going to tell you what to do because it's all a very personal choice with families. But here's the science that, is is people don't know about yet and we amplify awareness uh-huh. and then you do it across mo- many multimedia channels so this is in 2012 we were doing right right kind of digital channel communications okay but everybody on one message on the same page you have 45 spokespersons you have a, an ex-football player who tells his story and is dark you know um hunter hillemeyer okay. and um and chris nowinski and we just you know, you just have a great story and you package it and you get it out there, but you don't force it. You got to kind of coax it. Well, okay. So when we talk about reverse engineering PR, so, so you start, cause this, this is really fascinating to me because essentially what this is, this is very similar to the sales process, right? It's the same way that we sell our service. It's the same way we help our clients sell their services. You're selling and I think we probably underestimate this a lot. Uh, I know I did before I read a buddy of mine's book called uh, Play Bigger, which is all about this. But it's about like, if we're selling something, we're not just selling our product or our service. We're actually selling our point of view on the world. And if we can get yeah, people agree with that point of view, then they're going to demand the service that we provide because they agree with our you know, assessment of the problem. And, and PR essentially is that same thing, especially at the level that you're doing it, is you're taking, you know, the... Um, let's say the public or a segment of the public and you want them to arrive at your point of view. And so it seems to me like when you step back, if I'm, if I'm pulling your process out correctly, you're going, okay, here's the belief that I want them to have at the end. Here's the perception or or I want to convert them to believe my point of view at the end of this campaign. Now, what are the steps that I have to convert them to slowly over time to get them to believe the same things that I believe is that, is that kind of how that, that works. It's so interesting to think of it that way because that's so much more sales and marketing. Um, I mean, I heard it, how, <laughs> I mean, I think some of us who do PR is, I think you're actually very right about that. Um, sometimes, you know, you have an evident truth right in front of you, you know, for somebody that likes to do cause-based PR or, mm-hmm. you know, um, public awareness campaigns or, uh, 
kind of trying to get the truth out into the world or just just to educate people, to mm -hmm. educate people to make their own difference. I don't think about selling so much, but I do think about persuasion. Yeah. And I do think first I have to figure out um, will the medical community, will peers buy it? Because that's your first audience typically and with okay. doctors and dentists. As, and, you know, will your peers fight you on this? Is it scientifically backed up? Can you, will it withstand scientific rigor? Mm -hmm. um, could it be in a journal? I mean, will it, is there a checklist? Is, I mean, do you have all those safeguards in place? Because you don't want to take bad information and put it out to the world. Oh, yeah. Right? There's so much fear-based stuff, especially uh -huh. in, um, in diseases and things. And I try to take it from making it scary to giving you the tools to be an empowered patient. Mm. So that's how I think about it. But I think you're right, is I, I jump to what, you know, what's gonna, what are the three bullet points that people really have to know about the topic? What are people not talking about right now? And what can they do that's fairly free, fast, and preventative so that they can kind of avert all these problems on the road? Um, and it's interesting because hmm. actually my peer reverse engineer process kind of that we originally started talking about, you were curious about really evolved from SEO, you know? And so that was a little later. That's been more in like three years, last about three years ago, when you couldn't just, I mean, I, I have a sweet spot in um, national media and multi-channel communications. So I, I get a lot of things in the US, in USA Today, New York Times that are become these big stories mm -hmm. um, for my spokespersons. And, um, and it's really because we start with the science and I know how yeah. to talk to the journalists and it's, we have something to say. We don't go out unless we have something to say <laughs> and it's something important and newsworthy. Um, but I think, and then we also have all the right visual elements and things like that. Mm -hmm. But, um, I think that the reverse engineering PR came about when it moved more to the paid earned search and owned model for just content. You know, mm -hmm. how do you communicate content out there? And um, I tried the paid for a second, but then I realized I was doing all the work and I was paying for it. So it, I don't need to do that because I, I can either be my own publishing channel mm -hmm. with branded journalism or, um, you know, I mean, there's a little bit of, you know, some advertising is good. So what, what do you consider branded journalism? What's, what's your definition? Um, it's stuff I write. Basically, it's my brand, um, okay. or it's the clients. Like I just wrote an ebook for a client about online reviews, and so okay. it's generated by the brand, and it's actually an educational tool piece. It's not. Um, it's a story, I mean, like a white paper, a, rep a report, or something like that. It's it's great juicy information, you know, mm. that sometimes I know marketers want to do with. Um, collecting email things, but you give it away. Mm -hmm. It's not about sales. It's just mm -hmm. a great piece of content. And you know, it, it kind of is. Um, so whatever you put out there, of course you want to have a great piece of content and not just, it, you know, not just put stuff out there because your yeah. boss is telling you to put stuff out there. Time. You know, just um, you want to kind of do less is more, but have, 
you know, more connection, more engagement, more results of building your sales funnel, more authority building, more, mm -hmm. more communicating about weaving in your brand subtly mm -hmm. or doing something, but not again, not hitting people over the head with sales. But so with SEO, um, I, you know, I basically called up Andy Crestadina, who's one of my good friends and he's, he speaks a lot at content marketing world. Mm -hmm. And, uh, just had him basically coach me, you know, on what, what's changed because, you know, in, in our industries, it just continues to change so much and it yeah. gets so confusing that you, you really, it can be really fun when it changes, but sometimes you need to just take a step back and say, <laughs> you know, what's happened? This is completely yeah. different than it used to be. And, yeah. you know, and I need to keep my numbers up you know, in mm -hmm. terms of media mentions and social media placements, because we had huge growth, but I'm going to need to do it in new ways. So, um, so he basically taught me that, you know, really the basics of search that everybody's out there at the computer with a lot of information in their head that they're searching for something and you want to be the one that they find, yeah. you know, on social media, they have a lot of friends, but you don't know what's going on in their head. But the search is the place to be where you're sitting down and what are those questions that they're searching for? So he helped me identify um, through some, a process and through some tools that to identify like the main 150 things people are searching about for dental implants, something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a keyword um, or a broader topic. Then look at that, look for trends, put those 150 into groups of maybe mm -hmm. seven, mm -hmm. and then um, formulate, sometimes they're in question form, but ask the best questions with the best keywords that are rich, but make them simple, and then pose those questions to my experts. Have my experts answer those questions, mm -hmm. and then do a little bit of cleanup, but make sure that it's scientifically accurate. Okay. And then publish it on LinkedIn, you know, or publish it in a press release or publish it in something that you, you know, you own first and, or your blog and you can get it out into the world mm -hmm. and you can put up your brand in it or, you know, header or something, but it's your own content. Cause when you are borrowing, sometimes with the influencers now, when you're borrowing somebody else's audience, that's great. Mm -hmm. It's just, important also to own some of this content because there's rights and um i started off in entertainment so <laughs> i'm always kind of thinking like when you can own something and create it you know as a nonprofit, as a company as an yeah. individual you'll have a lot you may want to use it in many different ways in the future you know on different channels and so mm -hmm. when you produce it yourself you get a really authentic message but mm -hmm. you know you can answer these questions and then it's doing the public some good it's not wasting their time it's answering questions they need to know yeah. and it positions you as, as oh yeah that would be helpful they can help me solve that problem. Hmm. okay um well let's let's do this in the in the few minutes that we have left i, I want there's a couple questions i want to ask um because it, when you talk about like keeping up with things you know one of the things we talked about in our last call before we jumped on and recorded was the idea of kind of zigging when everyone else is zagging so well, what are, how do you look for those opportunities while you're still keeping up with the changes? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's one thing to zig when everyone else is zagging intentionally. It's another thing to do it accidentally because you were behind the times. Um, yeah. So uh, when you look right. at zigging when everybody else is zagging, what does that mean to you? 
Oh, that's so interesting. Well, I mean, the nice thing is, is I've been doing this for a while, right? Um, So I, I think that I'm always news hungry, you know, I mean, I studied communications, but again, I took a lot of journalism classes at Northwestern, um, with some really good journalists a while Mm -hmm. back. And, um, I was, I was actually mostly interested in entertainment. I always wanted to go into TV. I started off on some sitcoms. I worked with, I have a picture with Jason Bateman somewhere. <laughs> you know, I helped throw the cast party mode. And then I worked with a bunch of guys, you know, on, um, like Kyle Chandler, Friday Night Lights, and Judd Slattery, and Mad Men. I mean, it was so wow. cool. I had the best first jobs. Yeah. And um, so I think with them, you know, they were putting on a show every week. And, you know, I think sometimes you just want to be current because, um, and how you stay current is just, again, I think you just have to kind of just live your life. You can't do everything for everybody. So I think your first point about, you know, focusing in on who your people are, who's your tribe, who can you help the most? So I know for me, and they never identify it this way that they're super smart, driven scientists, top of their game. I mean, they don't say it that way. Yeah, that's what you say about them. It's what I say about them, but it's yeah. really true because it's like I, I get along really well and help do a lot of great work for people that are ready to grow. Mm-hmm. They're ready to take their brand to the next level. They're ready to share their science with the world. They're ready to you know, become a really well-known person. They're on a board, they're, you know, in multi-channel and multi-age things. A lot of, some of my clients now I'm finding that they're very well-known in real life, Mm -hmm. you know, really at the top of their game, but they didn't make the digital jump. And so while we can feel behind the times, or I can feel behind the times three years ago, they haven't even, this hasn't even entered their mind. You right. know what I mean? Because they're busy being an attorney, being, um, you know, saving lives. <laughs> saving teeth. And so, you know, I mean, one thing that I think is really important is just to kind of, um, I think it's also really important to say what you don't know mm-hmm. or when something's not working. I mean, I do a lot of measurement tracking in my campaigns. So when yep. the numbers... I always love metrics, you know, I'm not afraid of them, but when you yeah. see them go up, it means stay the course. When you see them go down, you're, you got to stop and do something yeah. different. If they go down again, you really got to change your entire path. And yeah. also sometimes what you're doing, how you're counting different channels, different mediums. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I've had good luck with just, um, I really am very, I love, people that are great at their jobs and their niches too. So when I need help, I make a case and say, Hey, you know what? There's something that's changed here. I don't know what it is. Let's diagnose it. Mm-hmm. Let's figure it out. And then let me learn it. Cause I pretty much like to learn a lot of stuff and, yeah. um, and then let's use it. And actually, as soon as we made that change, I saw my numbers go way back up. I saw my stories get more compelling. Um, the members kind of, or that, you know, some of these people were, it's fun, you know, and you can't do the same thing all the time, you know? And so you, so the zigging and the zagging is more, I I think I, my thought was, well, I was an early adopter of, um, or an early user of the LinkedIn videos. So, 
Yeah. So since I do a lot of videos anyway, I'm producing mm -hmm. for people. Um, you know, I got on my own, pulled out my phone. Interesting people I like, I would just interview them. <laughs> you know, it's tell my story. And, um, you know, I, I knew some of the tricks about, you know, length and mm -hmm. format and size. Um, but I started doing it on LinkedIn and my brand presence went crazy because a hmm. lot of people, I was an early person using it. So the videos were yeah, popping yeah. out of when people were doing it. Yeah. It was experimental and fun and interesting, but I would have other friends of mine, I'm on the publicity club of Chicago board, come up to me, other PR people, like, I love your videos. I mean, I've had more people say that about my early stuff, but then, <laughs> you know, they released everybody. <laughs> I was like, wow, so many videos. Yeah. That, you know, then I would I went to black and white pictures for a little mm -hmm. bit with some words on it. Or, yeah. you know, sharing an article. And I realized that how the variety is really important. But if I feel sick of something, like if it's throwing me off and turning me off on my scroll, um, I'll just tune out. So I want to make mm -hmm. sure that, you know, my main job is to get your message out to the world. Yeah. And for people to remember it and to act. So it's not doing, there's many ways we can do it. Yeah. <laughs> there's tons of ways to do it, but, but don't do it the way that everybody else is doing. <laughs> do it a yeah. little bit differently. Same message, just a different delivery. Love it. Yeah. And it's uh, going, going back to the, the PR and then we'll, we'll close out. Uh, I love how you talked about just breaking it down to the end of it you're ending with simple action steps, which is one thing for those of us that are, that are in the service world where we have something to sell. Of course, we know what the act, the end action step is, which is buy something from me. So it's like, so we don't think about it that much, but when I think of like an NFL concussion story, I, it's, it's very intellectually interesting. It's very polarizing. But then at the end of the day, what are you asking people to do? And I think a, a lot of other, um, a lot of other people, maybe even a lot of other PR reps would struggle to get that down to actually rally the troops and give them something to do. So I love that you mentioned that, that break it down to the point where you're giving people simple action steps. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, in terms of a concussion story, what we were asking people to do was to, to raise awareness, be aware yeah. that the equipment's not going to just solve the problems, mm -hmm. that your kid could have how many blows to the head blows to the head are not good <laughs> how many blows to the head we don't know <laughs> but trying to avoid blows to the head so <laughs> whether you're wearing a football uniform or not you know i mean yeah. some of the stuff i work on is very common sense but <laughs> but that's i think why they bring it over to me you know um oh, yeah because you know we're parents and and yet we all love um football and you know, I grew up in Cleveland. I went to football games all the time with my dad. Yeah. So you don't want to, and I hate, I hate this fear mongering stuff that's out there about, oh, everybody's got Ebola. Everybody's got, you know, <laughs> this is kind of, I mean, it is really scary, but you, know, you have to kind of like take responsibility now. We're all informed patients. And right. So one of my campaigns that did well for Dennis, <laughs> one of my favorite lines was I was talking to, um, a guy who had this really cool thing, news launcher in, um, for a little bit in New York. And I think they sold it up yeah. and we were, this was my one experience with the paid, um, trying to do like the paid pieces. And so and this is so funny. So I told him the story and he's like, 
oh my gosh, you make tea so interesting. <laughs> and I was like, I think about it a lot to try to make it interesting. Yeah. Because, you know, it could be very boring. And, you know, um, but I think one thing that we realized was that he actually told me, we don't even have a journalist to write the scientific story. So I think you're going to have to write it and then give it to mm. me and push it out. Yeah. Because it wasn't just an easy story. So, mm. you know, give me complex. I'm, um, I'm all about that. And, yeah. uh, and, and it has to be collaboration, though. I can't do it on in the back. So how about yeah. you? What do you... Any other last questions? Any thoughts? No, I just, I I wanted to point out just that it's funny that just the parallels between the PR and, and like the sales and copywriting world are really interesting to me. Uh, I was listening to, um, and and it's been said a million times. I'll just, you know, there was something that I listened to here recently just that just reconfirmed it, which is uh, pretty much all the magic of any sales campaign, PR campaign. It's, it's all in the research. And the person, in this case, you, like when you're doing the research, the more that you're steeped in the literature, the more that you just have this incredibly broad and deep base of knowledge in that, in that industry. And a lot of times, copywriters are trying to get that from scratch. Now, you're not working from scratch. You have a nice broad base any, you know, already. If you're trying to sell something, a lot of times you're going in and trying to figure all that and, and get it very, very quickly. So you immerse yourself, but, uh, the, the best copywriters in the world, the ones that are the best at writing a message that sells something, whether it's a product or service are the ones that do that. And they mm -hmm. find that big idea that resonate with people and they don't write anything until they have the right big idea. And it's the same thing for your, I mean, essentially that's how you reverse engine your PR is you start with the big idea and then you work your way back to, okay, how do we build a compelling case with the public that will lead up to that big idea. And there's just, there's so many parallels um, between what you're doing and, and just anybody that's selling a service. Uh, you know, if like if you wanted to take on ideal clients for you or for me, like there's certain beliefs, there are certain things that we want them to believe in order for yeah. them to sign up with us. And so I think part of, I think we lose sight of the fact that when we put out content, it's, it's not just to get engagement, it's to change people's beliefs and build our case towards the things that we want them to believe at the end so that they sign up with us. Uh, so anyway, that, I just wanted to point that That's out and really draw out the parallels. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very fascinating. Well, it's probably, I mean, I always thought PR, because I have done marketing too and, and freelance writing and obviously having my own business, I do some sales too, but it's, you know, I think it's really interesting to think of it that way because, um, you know, you kind of find what's important to or what's the need out there that we can help solve because we don't have a million we don't have a million hours in the day yeah. you know and you want to bring your skills and help people solve the problems that they have and i hate people wasting their money their hard money and their time and yeah. going to big agencies and coming back with one placement in montana and you know <laughs> it's just kind of how do you you know, how do you work smart and how do you figure out the constraints you have, where your audience mm. lives, like how people consume news. Really, mm. now you have to deal with different age demographics. But, um, yeah, yeah. you know, I think I, it's also fun to just keep it fresh and a little variety. So, um, mm. you know, I think that that's cool that we have that. I think that also your knowledge comes through when you're on podcasts yeah. and things like this and teaching classes. So, Whatever you do, really know your stuff because 
because this is the age of authenticity. <laughs> yes. And avoid social media problems. You know, it don't just take a long time to fix. So. Yeah, yeah. I've had I've had two really funny, interesting conversations, which you would appreciate, not only because of your background in, you know, dealing with really smart people, but also just as a service provider that has to sell your own stuff. And I've I've had two conversations just in the past four days where a potential client essentially just peppered me with questions for 15, 20 minutes, just to see if, just to see, just to see if I knew my stuff, which is, oh, right. you know, and, and of course I've been doing this for four years uh, and I, and I'm leading the way, like I'm, I'm in the trenches doing what I, doing what I sell, which gives me a huge advantage. Um, right. If I wasn't doing that, I would have lost those people probably in one or two questions because they can, they can sniff out. It's not that hard to find out. You don't have to necessarily be a technical ex expert to figure out if somebody else isn't. Well, let's do this. Uh, so Carolyn, what's the best way if people want to work with you, especially if they have a referral? Uh, so anybody in the dental, or dental, dental medical <laughs> med tech, uh, you know, medical startup, you know, that those types of fields, if they know people or organizations in that field that need what you do, uh, how do people reach out? How do they connect? Yeah. And also I've been doing a lot with book authors and, um, just people that want to get their message out into the world and they're struggling to get it out of their head and into something that is consumable. Yeah. Um, and visual storytelling, well thought out strategy, um, with quick wins. I mean, if you want to get in the New York times, I can help you do it. <laughs> um, but that's not so quick. Um, my, Basically, I would just go to my website. It's um, digitalcontentstrategy.com. How was that domain not taken like 15 years ago? <laughs> See, I, I actually have done a lot of domain naming. So, there you go. <laughs> I picked it. Yeah, I did it about a year and a half. I also have visualpr.org and visualpr.com. I just bought that. Wow. And that wasn't very much. So, and I thought, you know, I thought I was a genius with my, with my discovery of subscribe on iTunes.com. I snatched that one up. Ooh, that is a good one. All right. Yeah. So if you need to name a domain name. Yeah, come, yeah exactly. Come here. <laughs> but again, it's um, digitalcontentstrategy.com. And uh, you can also drop me an email at, or find me on LinkedIn. I have all yeah. the connections on LinkedIn. Um, so it's Carolyn Barth. And I'd love to talk to you. And also, I guess um, I should offer people. If you guys do have something that you've been kicking around in your head and you, it's, it's really a cause-based thing or it's something important, um, mm -hmm. if you're a nonprofit, a large company, I've done a lot of which popular work, um, just pretty much somebody who really wants to grow and is struggling or is feeling frustrated that with cookie cutter marketing or PR and it's just not working, mm -hmm. um, or conferences or events or just different things, you can also, um, I can give you my Calendly and you can book 15 minutes and we can just talk it through. Um, it's not a sales thing. I'll just talk to you about, listen yeah. to your thing and give you some ideas about um, what I would do and you can do it yourself or, you know, can explore further. But um, that is, that would be just Calendly.com forward slash Carolyn Hart. So oh, that's easy. Yeah. So just, yeah, 15 minutes for free and we'll talk it through and, um, you know, I'd love awesome. to try to give you some thoughts and, and you can take them with you. Now, I believe that clarity releases energy. So I hope that this episode creates clarity for you by laying out a path forward in your business. Now, if you're interested in starting a podcast like this to help you break into a new industry or to establish yourself as an authority in a niche market, let's talk. We have a complete done for you podcasting service 
Uh, that is my agency that I'm building and growing. And I'd love to talk to you about what we can potentially do for you. You can learn more at pursuingresults.com to get a sense of what our service is all about. And if you're ready, if you're really seriously thinking about starting a podcast, I'm happy to brainstorm your ideas and talk about the positioning of your podcast within the market, something that you can take away whether we end up working together or not. So you can grab a time on my calendar for a podcast brainstorm call at bookjohnson.com. That is bookjohnson.com. I just want to thank you again for listening to the show, for leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes and more importantly, for investing your time, your energy, your attention into the show. It really means the world to me that you would do that. So again, this is the UX podcast where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine and we'll see you on the next episode.